Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back, everybody, to Wells Tech. This is episode 691, and we're recording it on October 6th, 2022. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. And uh, very thankful to be back. And uh, the person who hold down, held down the fort, Sally Draper, is back for more. Hey, Sally. I'm Martin. We are happy to welcome you back to Wells Tech, and don't let that happen again anytime soon. Because it's no fun to have Wells Tech without you guys. Uh, did Spirit. awesome. You, Jason, and Rachel uh, represented. For sure, <laughs> we <so>. did. <laughs> we did, and it was a lot of fun. And it was, always yeah. great to welcome our semi-regular classroom technology correspondents to the show. We've been doing this for a long time, where we've had that education voice. Uh, integrated with our Wells Tech topics. And um, actually, today we're doing a bit of a throwback because way back when, when we got started, our very first semi-regular educational technology correspondent was Gail Potratz, who at the time served at Emanuel in New London, Wisconsin. And wonderful to welcome Gail back to our show this morning uh, here after almost 250 shows that she hasn't been a part of and she's oh, back to join long. us today. <laughs> Welcome, Hi, Gail. Gail. Thank you very much, guys. It's good to be back. Thanks for being here. Uh, just a, uh, a note to Jason and Rachel, please don't uh, take this as any kind of incriminating act on our part that uh, <laughs> you guys didn't bring it last time and we're bringing Gail back. But uh, Gail, Gail reached out to me, um, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago, wondering um, if I had access or came, uh, things had come across my desk in the area of technology plans. And uh, I had to say that I, I don't see a lot of those. And so I thought, well, maybe that would be a great conversation to have with Gail, who's uh, has an interest in that and has many years of experience looking at them through uh certification or uh, accreditation, right, Gail? Um, yes, I've, I've worked on it from that angle, but more more importantly, I guess, and uh, to, to what we're speaking to today, um, in teaching my um, one of my MLC classes to uh, graduates who are interested in technology, right. um, we've been talking about the plan lately, and that's what made me think of the topic because they were instructed to go find some plans and had a great deal of difficulty doing that. So I gave them a list of people that I thought schools, I thought for sure would have a good plan to go and look and they still had some real difficulties. So this precipitated a whole discussion of our schools still, still doing the typical traditional three to five year technology plan or not. Has, are there reasons that it's been necessary to move to a different Ah, the sunlight is coming in here. <laughs> a different format um, or what? So and what, what, are, what are you finding then? Are you? Are you... Well, okay. I, I called everybody I know. I talked to everybody I know, um, got some good response back from a few people. Um, and as I suspected, um, the, the fluency of technology and the fact that so much of technology now um, we use so many different uh, offsite hosting sites for things. Mm -hmm. So we don't manage as much data locally as we once did. Um, that, that was a reason that some people gave that they thought there wasn't as much planning. I'm still a big proponent of the plan. I, I still see that there's a need for it. Um, but I think it is morphing a little bit and maybe three to five years is too big of a chunk of time now to, uh, to consider. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a year by year plan. Um, just thinking about the past few years and the situations that schools have gone through, there's been 
so much government money that has been out there for schools to use for technology with the various uh, programs through the pandemic, the, the EANS and, and other programs that the schools have, have had no problem with the financial end of things, which is usually a huge consideration. Mm-hmm. But that's been lessened. So they've got things now, but that money is gradually drying up. So I still, you know, I, I see a real need for good technology planning because sure. um, they're going to have to maintain things. And that's not going to happen automatically without a plan. Right. So I, I think, think the that- need is still there. I think it maybe three to five years is maybe not um, as strong as it used to be, but I think there's every reason to still do that planning. Mm-hmm. This is just anecdotal observations that that I've made over the past year, especially, you make a great point. A lot of money has come into schools and it seems like there's more technology than ever in schools. And we could talk about not just schools, but churches too. Um, so there's a lot of technology there, but there doesn't seem to be always a rhyme or reason or coordination of it. Um, what are we doing with it? How does it integrate with other technology purchases? Um, where does this fit in with our um, uh, our courseware? Where does this fit in with uh, other things that we're doing in ed- either educational technology or infrastructure planning or uh, staff training um, course and student management systems, you know, how do they all fit together? And I think that's where a plan really shines is if you look at big picture, here are the moving parts. Here's what we're looking at this year. How do we parse this out? How do we get our staff up to speed and then gradually bring these other things in, in a coordinated and a common sense way versus we're going to throw everything in there and, you know, what, what sticks sticks and what doesn't doesn't that, that that just doesn't seem like good stewardship. Right. I would definitely agree. So maybe we can, Oh, go ahead, Sally. No, I think I'm going the same place you are. You were, you were alluding to some of those different pieces of a plan. If, if I have no plan at my school currently, you know, what should be in it. And um, interestingly, I was reminded that we have a Wells Tech Wiki page. So back in the day, we used to have a pretty robust effort in sharing documents and things. And it's funny, um, Gail, because one of the school example plans that's out there is from a manual in New London, but it's about yeah. 10 or 15 years old. Yes, and I, we have talked about that one and the other ones, and I have sent people to that page um, many times to look for those things. Um, Yeah, and I think uh, even though the plans are old there, the examples are older, the template is still there too in that spot. Mm -hmm. And I think all the categories on that template are still very uh, applicable today. Yeah, definitely. So do check out um, our page um, for school technology planning. And there's also a page for church or general technology planning. And there's a template there um, as well. So there's definitely some good starting points here um, in the Wells Tech Wiki, if you want to go that direction. Um, Martin, you found another one uh, as we were searching online from a school district, I think it's in Georgia, um, Liberty County School System. Mm-hmm. And um, that one also has kind of a good outline for you to begin to to digest and see um, if that's going to be some of the things you want to include in your plan. So um, we kind of have some notes that we've put together where we picked and chose from all these different things and just kind of listed out some of the things we thought should be included. Um, Like I said, you kind of alluded to it a bit earlier, Martin, just um, there's moving pieces, there's education around how to use technology, and then there's goals for the future so that you're doing all this um, with an eye toward moving forward and doing more or maintaining or enhancing the technology that you have. Mm-hmm. Gail, you I raised the, Oh, go ahead, Gail. I was just going to say the plan that you pulled up is a good plan. And we, we this past week um, in class looked at a lot of different plans that we found online and noticed that there were a lot of uh, public schools, well, they plan more by district than by individual school. So when the, 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 when our folks look at those plans, um, 
they're kind of overwhelming in a way because they're it's such a big scope. Mm -hmm. But I try to make the point that even though they are uh, they are that way, um, the basic things that you're going to cover in the plan are uh, of your own, even as even in a smaller school, are still the same ideas that you see in those big plans. They do transfer. So it, it is it is valuable to look at some of the um, the bigger districts and the bigger schools and see how they've done that and then interpret that to your own school. Um, I, I find that um, you know in our Wells schools we there there are a lot of small Wells schools still you know they're they're um, and there's one person at the school who's already usually the teacher, sometimes still the principal or even the pastor that's doing the technology for the school. I still, I still, you know, I run into that all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> uh, so these people don't have the advantage of having a lot of human resources, you know, on staff to help. It's a one man show many times. And so to try to equip them with uh, things that are actually going to help them specifically, I think is really an important thing to do. They're, they're looking for that. Right. And I think a couple of things without a plan um, kind of get left out that are super important that we've talked about many times on the show. One of them is um, policy management. You know, what kind of policies need to be in place. So a technology plan enforces that and says, you know, we need this and this and this for these reasons, whether that's an acceptable use or social media policy, or just a lot of the things that really, um, if you're not thinking about them, you know, are things that you'd rather not think about, you know, and then they <laughs> kind of get set off to the side and you don't feel that you have the skills um, necessary to, to, to craft these things. Uh, but putting them in the plan and then assigning them and reviewing them and going through that cycle year after year is critical for um, just the health and stability of any organization. Um, you, you need those tools in place and you need a process to review, revise, communicate, uh, adopt, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, as I mentioned, the other area that I think falls down a little bit without a true plan is coordinated use of technology and training. So, you know, yes. in a in a place without a plan, uh, there's three different student information or or learning management systems in place. You know, so one teacher is using Schoology and one one's using Google Classroom, and and there's no shared knowledge. Uh, everybody's kind of on an island, uh, and then there's no coordinated training or um, best practices and and it's really an inefficient approach to to managing the technology that you have regardless of whether it is a online service or not in fact sometimes i think the the proliferation of all these online services that you can sign up for in 30 seconds creates more of a problem than it solves uh, because now you get uh, you've got inconsistent uh, adoption and um, everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And I think that's what a technology plan solves. Don't you think, Gail? Yes. You're, you're speaking to curriculum now. And I, yes, right. because, uh, you know, your technology curriculum is, is also part of your plan um, underneath that bigger plan. And um, yeah, if you don't have, certain things that are going to spiral up through the grades and everybody on board with using them that causes confusion for the students. And it also causes confusion for the parents, the parents of the, of, in a school like to have that consistency throughout the grades um, in their, like the, the SIS reporting system mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know? Right. So yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. Sounds like the time of the judges to me, <laughs> the wild, wild west can happen right. very quickly right. and get out of control. Um, one, one area that I'm kind of sensitive to that we haven't really touched on, and maybe it falls under that policies area, but just all the data that's generated throughout the use of this technology and keeping that safe and 
handled consistently Governing and its managed. Use, right, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, if someone's off in Google Classroom and someone else is off in Schoology and they're uploading information to those and things like that, you know, how do you rein in and control the sharing of data and, and documents and storing all of that and stuff. So um, lots of things to consider. It can be daunting, but I think having a template or a checklist or something at least gives you some structure. And maybe you don't fill in all the blanks immediately. Maybe you don't have a complete inventory of all your equipment or your support policies, you know, laid out to the nth degree or whatever, but at least you have something to work towards and um, know that they're important considerations. What kind of feedback, Gail, are you getting in your class when you talk about technology planning? Do they see a need? Is this a graduate level course or what, uh, what uh, area yeah. are you teaching? Well, actually I do right now. I do some undergrads and some grads, um, Okay, but it's separate now, which is a good, very good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm speaking mostly about the graduates because the undergraduates don't yet have that background but the graduate students you know have been out teaching some of them um well they're all younger than me of course Mm -hmm. but (laughs) some are brand new but some are you know middle of the road and and up in that up in those years so they've been around for a while and they recognize the importance of a plan but a lot of them have never been um i i think it's the first time they've really seen this laid out for them the policies, the planning, the all mm-hmm. the things that need to be really in place to make sure things go well. And they the, the takeaway usually is um, that they're they're grateful to have the um, the background and to know that um, so they can now do a plan. They get the idea that now they're equipped to do that themselves. Right. So I think they see the need. They probably feel the need while they're swimming in it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're glad to you know have some, have the discussion around it and some education that gives them a little of idea of how to make that happen and sure. you mentioned a, a very good point when you say uh, a little at a time Sally you know you don't you don't have to there's you can't change it overnight and make everything um, put everything down on paper overnight and make it all good but the fact that you're working toward it and you have a plan gives you gives your plan validation right there. And I'm guessing by the time you you achieve everything on the checklist, it's time to start over and cycle through it oh, all nice. again. Technology <laughs> yes. changes, it seems. Yeah. And so yeah, always yeah. always looking at it and revising it. Yeah. One last piece of advice, I guess, that I would give to anybody responsible for this is really don't try and do this by yourself. If you can at all help it, uh, you need to involve as many people as possible. Certainly, other faculty members. If you're in a school or if you're in a church, you know some leadership, uh, and then leverage the people who've actually you know do this. There, there probably are resources uh, that are very familiar with technology planning, or could be, or at least planning in general. Uh, and then share share some of those responsibilities. Yeah, you, if you're the technology director, you're ultimately responsible, but um, engage the principal, engage faculty, engage office staff, um, uh, parent-teacher organization. You know, those kinds of connections are going to be important in, in building a plan that is not just you sitting at your desk in front of your computer, you know, clacking these things out. It needs to be useful and needs to be appropriate to your situation. And the only way to do that is to, to involve those other people. You know, as you described that, Martin, I'm reminded of going through the WELSA accreditation process in one of the congregations that we were a part of and how exciting it was as a layperson to be brought into different committees that were part of that process. And I think the same would be true in the technology planning area that it, it really opens your congregation members' eyes to all of the areas in the school that they aren't familiar with, Mm -hmm. helps them to have some buy-in and and ownership of that as well. And all of that is a plus plus when you're, um, you know, marrying the school and the congregation together and getting people more involved. It's a blessing. 
Yeah, if I could add one more thing too, reflecting way back to the beginning of the conversation, Martin, you asked about reasons for people not doing technology plans. I think another a big one that um, I didn't mention was um, the schools that are involved in the E-rate program. That the E-rate program used to demand that you Require have a plan, yep. mm -hmm. and that's no longer required. So a lot of schools started writing plans when yep. that E-rate program became an important piece of their budgeting tool, I guess I would say. And that's not that's been you know off for a while. It doesn't mean it won't come back. You know, in the future when um, things change, it may be a requirement again down the line. Who knows? But for right now, it is not. So, yeah. And in their place, you know, congregational leadership should take that role and say, yeah, we need this. This is just good stewardship. You know, we need to know right. what we're doing and what the budget should be. Are we are we caring for the things we should be caring for in, the, in an appropriate way? Good stuff. All the things we mentioned, you know, some of the, these plans that we've got out there, both church and school technology plans, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to, to those resources. And uh, just a, a plea for all of our listeners, if you have something that is worth sharing, even if you think it's uh, you're not that great, or it's just a start or a draft, we'd love to see it. Um, and we can, yeah. you know, if you give permission to share it or, or, or not, that's fine, but it's helpful for us to kind of see what people are doing out there and some of the ways you're organizing content and some of the things that you've prioritized would be helpful for us to take a look at. So please do that. All right. We should probably move along, uh, and let's move into our ministry resource section. Sally, what do we got? Well, I'm excited for this announcement, Martin, yeah, because you it's, are. <laughs> it's been a very hot topic lately. So um, those of you that have followed Wells Tech for a while know that we have um, shared in the past a lectionary calendar uh, in Google Calendar format. So this is something that was developed by the worship office, and it basically has uh, readings and supplemental lectionary and uh, prayer of the day day and verse of the day and hymn of the day, the typical things that go into worship planning, all contained in your Google calendar. And that was really um, well received because um, many people use Google calendar. So it's very easy to integrate into your personal Google calendar. And also um, it's easy to share with like your worship leaders. So maybe your choir director or your organist or whatever um, would appreciate links to the lectionary series. And we've had this going I don't know, Martin, maybe 10 years, maybe longer than that, mm -hmm. where the worship office has provided these calendars and we've made it available in Google Calendar format. Um, however, we've transitioned now to a new hymnal and the new hymnal came along with a service builder, which you can use for free. And it has that same lectionary information um, based on the lectionaries used in the new Christian worship hymnal. Um, we therefore uh, had decided that at the end of this current church year, which ends with Thanksgiving in November, November 24th, uh, I think it's church year C this year, um, that we would discontinue updating the 1993 red hymnal Google Calendar Lectionary. So those that were subscribed didn't have any events on their calendar starting on Sunday um, November 27th, when Advent 1 starts of year A, um, just coming up at the end of next month. And we have fielded more than one <laughs> request from Wells Tech listeners uh, asking what happened to their Google Calendar and, and are we going to fill in year A that's coming up and that kind of thing. And the response has always been to point them to Service Builder. I think we've said that several times um, on the podcast. However, uh, that decision to discontinue the Google Calendar was actually recently reconsidered. And we now have three more years of uh, Christian Worship 93 Red Hymnal Lectionary added to the existing Google Calendar. So perhaps those that use it have already discovered that it now continues into year A all the way through year C in uh, 2025. So, um, Google Calendar is back um, for Christian Worship 93. But going one step further, something old, we also have something new. And that is the Christian Worship Blue Hymnal Lectionary is now in a separate Google Calendar that you can also subscribe to. And it has 
um, all the readings. It has the hymns. It has uh, the the different, um, let's see, acclamation verse, so the verse of the day and that kind of thing included in this. And it moves forward into year A, covering all the Sundays and events um, in year A following the new lectionary from the blue hymnal. So now you can take your pick or you can have both if you want um, in Google calendar format, easy to access um, from your personal Google calendar. We did have a question about how to subscribe to that. And I just wanted to point out that when you're on the Google calendar, we'll have links to them in the show notes. There's a Google calendar icon in the lower right corner. It's not super obvious. You have to look for it, but it's down in the bottom right corner. And when you click on that, it will allow you to subscribe to that calendar, which integrates it with your personal Google calendar. So um, use that link in the lower right corner to add it to your personal Google calendar and uh, let us know what you think. Hopefully this made a lot of people happy to continue the Google Calendar for the old hymnal and now even to add a Google Calendar for the new hymnal. So you have it so many different ways now. So there you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Big thanks to, to some folks at the CMM too, Sally. You want to give a shout out? Absolutely. We want to definitely recognize Sarah Krause, uh, who works in the congregational services area and basically did all the work to get these things in the right format and uploaded to Google Calendar. So we really appreciate her help, um, as well as the folks in the worship office, Pastor Brian Gearlock and Laura Martin. So thank you very much. Laura Schultz. Sorry, wrong last name, Laura Schultz. <laughs> Apologies, Laura, both Laura's. All right, uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. And uh, we let uh, our guest hosts go first. Gail, you've been out of practice 250 episodes ago. It was probably the last time you had to come up with a pick. Hopefully you can dust off those skills and bring something to us today. Well, I could probably give you 250 picks. <laughs> That's right. You've been saving them up. All right. Yeah. Settle in, everybody. <laughs> but uh, no, I have some, I have what I thought was a good pick in a program called Focusable, um, which is something I don't use routinely. I just discovered it. Um, but I probably should. Um, I'm. Pr- I'm a person who only cooks on high. I don't know why the burner on the stove has all those little numbers because mine are either on or they're off or they're on high. So that's, that's how I roll. And um, when I sit down to work at the computer, uh, much to my chiropractor's uh, disapproval, I usually sit for hours and that's not a good thing. So this is something I should use and maybe I can train myself to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a little program that's set up and it's actually quite, um, I, do you wanna see what mine looks like? Can I put my screen up there? Sure, I'll stop sharing and um, let's see, how hard would that be to do? So this is what the screen will, will look like. I'm all signed in and everything. So you have to you know sign up it's free, you sign up and you create these little progressions. You can see I've done several of them. And so I'll make a new one over here. So you just click the little button, make a new one. And the, the thing is you set your timer for how much time you wanna work before this thing clicks in. And actually, if you click on the little arrows over here, you can actually video yourself um, in, in your progress. So I, I never do that, but that is available. So you start the timer and then down on the bottom as you're working, you have these little choices. The the timer will go off and then you'll see this screen and you'll see you have some choices on the bottom down here. And one of them is move, visualize and breathe. And breathe is just a little program they have here that you, you they tell you how to position yourself and then they help you, you breathe in and you breathe out and you go through this cycle of deep breathing basically and help relax and reset yourself through your breathing. And then you can go back to your progression. Another thing you can do is visualize. I, I never, I don't like this one. I don't, I don't see what this does for me, but <laughs> it'll, it'll put up a, a thing like this. It's 
a picture and they tell you to look at certain, look at the intersections and notice this and look at this and notice these shapes. And um, this seems like something that would appeal to you, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But um, yeah, it gives you a lot of visual things, I guess, just to get your mind off, you know, quit thinking about so deeply about what you're thinking and producing, think about something else. And um, then you're refreshed to go back to what you want to do. Um, the move one is a good one for me, because what I do try to do is just, I remind myself every half hour to get up and take a walk, you know, um, but I'm not very good at doing that as half hour comes up and I don't always do it but this one will remind you and give you a little exercise to to get you moving in some way shape or form so it'll go through some basic things and and a lot of them are uh, to alleviate the discomfort of sitting at a computer with your back and your neck and mm. your you know what happens to you as you work too long so I think it's really a great idea uh, it remains to be seen how faithful I'll be at using it, but um, it is available if you um, need help in balancing your um, hours of time on your computer. Well, I don't know about like other people that were ahead, yeah, watching or following along, but I, I feel much more relaxed. All that, <laughs> all those lines, they just really did it for me. So good stuff. Ready to focus. <laughs> The tagline, a new tool for students, teachers, and those seeking to improve their ability to focus. So it's interesting that they they call out students and teachers in particular. So this must have been maybe by a, a teacher or or somebody in academia oh. that felt that this might be a, a, a useful thing. So I think anybody who works for a long time at a computer screen, which is yeah. almost everybody these days, no kidding. You know, yeah. could benefit. Yep. Yeah, you know, I don't think we can let you off the hook that easily because I want to share the second one you were mentioning to us about Google Transparency Report. Um, okay. I actually have it up on the screen, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about Google's Transparency Report. Okay, do you have it on your screen? Mm -hmm. All right, let me stop this and go here. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought this was a great idea. I just I ran into it the other day, but you know how you're always telling at least um, anybody who's teaching students or other teachers about technology, you're always talking in, in, in the safety area about not opening links that you're not sure of. Okay, and that link could be in an email. That's what we usually associate that with. But it could also be, um, I run into lots of stuff on Facebook with that I don't know if I should click on or not. Mm -hmm. um, even, even sites that are trying to sell you things, this is kind of... Uh, this is appropriate too. What it is, is Google has put together this little tool for um, checking links. And so you simply take the link in question, um, you know, copy and paste, copy the link that you find in your email that you don't know if it's okay to open or not. And you go to this Google transparency tool and you just paste that link into uh, the bar here and click and it'll tell you no unsafe content found on the Wells Tech. Well, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> we passed. So yeah, you did. So I think that could be quite helpful. I haven't really used it enough to know that it, how reliable it is, you know, I, and I don't have any idea how they do that. I'm curious as to how they can do that. Yeah. Great Very pick good. though. I think nice tool. Very good. File that one away on my tool belt. Yeah. It's yep. <laughs> a good one. Good stuff. All right. I think it's my turn now. I'm going to let Gail off Go the hook. It. We'll save the other 248 for another day. All right. All right. <laughs> and I want to make mention of a tool we haven't talked about recently on WellsTick. It's it's a tool from Microsoft and it's called Sway. Sway.office.com. I looked up and basically it comes with your Office 365 licenses. Um, and it works with some, and I think there's probably some that it doesn't come with automatically. But um, if you're an Office 365 user, more than likely you have access to Sway. And Sway allows you to create presentations and documents um, quickly and easily. And um, 
you can, like I said, head over to that website and learn more about it. They even have some sample ones. Um, I have one up that's one of their samples. I take it back. Let me let me click in the right place. It's called How to Sway. And it just gives you a feel. It kind of is like a never-ending web page that you're creating. And they help you to format it. If you've used um, Microsoft PowerPoint or Google Slides or whatever, where you can pick different templates and different areas of the template have different formats for titles and things like that, uh, different layouts, etc. cetera. Um, working with the tool, they help you to do all this stuff and add neat effects and <clears throat> styles and things like that. So that's what an example of a sway might look like. The reason I was reminded of it um, was actually looking through some of the technology plans because um, one in particular seemed like it may have been created from sway. And what's cool about it is it's really neat for, like I said, a never ending web page, but it is developed in a way that you can write it to um, PDF and um you know, make use of it as a document as well. So when you're logged in on your Microsoft account, um, there's tutorials and things that'll walk you through how to do different things. You can go to the Sway main page and just create a new one and add titles. Maybe it's your tech plan. Um, easily add different backgrounds and things, do searches. Um, I'll just search for a school and throw one in here and say add that. And then you have the beginnings of something that looks really nice and professional um, for your technology plan. And once you're done developing all the different pieces of it, um, you have the option of printing or exporting. Um, either way, you can print to a PDF or export as a PDF and it becomes a document you can share, but it's designed in this really um, pleasing way. And so a really good way um, to put together different information you want to share, again, it could be a slideshow you're developing or um, different documentation or whatever, but maybe think of a tool that showcases the information, makes it more pleasing for those that have to digest um, the information. Martin, you and I used it um, to write a book once. And I was reminded of that as I opened up my account, all the different chapters of our book are here on my Sway account. And we literally put a whole book's contents in here. So you can see as we developed it, lots and lots of um, text, you can do different formatting, um, all kinds of things. And it turned into uh, a very pleasing way to read the book online, chapter by chapter, but also to um, you know, print it if we wanted to print a PDF, that kind of thing. So um, that's one example of how we use Sway. And it just reminded me that it might be a good place to develop your technology plan for easy and pleasing reading of something that is kind of technical and things. Um, I enjoyed digesting the technology plan that we found online because I felt like it was developed in a tool like Sway or in Sway itself. I, you can't really tell because it's printed to PDF, obviously, but um, it looked like it may have been a Sway uh, format. So thought it was worth a mention. So I had totally forgotten that we use that for that book. Uh, <laughs> I, I use that for that book. So that's why you forgot. <laughs> ah. You wrote the book. I put it in Sway. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think we've had Sway as a pick before, you know, probably long, mm -hmm. probably when we were doing the book. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've often thought that congregational annual reports are super good candidates for a tool like that. Mm -hmm. They're normally, you know, kind of a newsletter format or worse, just kind of text and, um, the whole point of producing a report is to have people read it and consume it. And I don't think there's probably enough effort in those kinds of directions to get people to, to read it. So slim down some of the content increase uh, the visuals. And I think the chances of it being an effective communication tool go way up. So there are other yeah. tools like that. That's why infographics are popular as well. It's just kind of distills the information. It's easier to read and it's not so, it's not so daunting 
you know, to take a, to take a gander at it. So. Exactly. I brought back up the example one from Liberty County and um, it's, like you said, very well formatted, a little more graphical, but then there are some charts and things there's, Mm -hmm. it's not unable to share things in tables and graphs and things like that. So you definitely can integrate that kind of stuff, but it's not the whole document. Uh, The rest of the document is a lot more reader friendly. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. I think it's my turn. Uh, My pick of the week is read wise. It's at readwise.io. And I've been familiar with this tool for quite a long time, but have never really used it. And in prep for the course that I'm teaching next semester at MLC, I'm doing a lot of reading on my Kindle uh, or, or Kindle cloud reader. I use, I read Kindle books on a, on an iPad, but you could obviously read them in any place you want. But Uh, But I found that I was doing a lot of highlighting and note-taking while I was reading those books, and I had no way to really get that stuff out. Now, there is a way, uh, there's a website you can go to uh, to to see all your highlights and all your notes of your your Kindle books. But it's not super usable, and it definitely is not super exportable to other tools. So I went in search of a tool that will do that, and Readwise does that. Uh, Readwise allows you to hook it up to your Amazon or Kindle account. And whenever you take a note, it collects it. It can categorize it. You can tag it. Um, One of its kind of neat features is it sends you a daily, and you can configure this, a daily um, journal of different random notes you've highlighted. And uh, Gives you the highlight, gives you the reference. You can click on those and it'll open up the Kindle in web view where you can read it back in context. And you're really kind of leveraging the investment. You you you, <laughs> you read that book for a reason. You highlighted that passage in that book for a reason. You took that note on that passage for a reason. Very often that just kind of gets buried uh, with that book once you're done. This resurfaces it. And um, in fact, I just shared with the team, uh, our CMM team, our technology team, uh, a quote from um, a book that you and I read, Sally, long, long ago Mm -hmm. uh, by Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog. And um, it was just kind of a happy coincidence and something that, you know, I could spend a little bit more time with and just kind of reminds me, you know, that that was something that I could, that could be useful. Um, which is why I read the book in the first place. So it has that feature. It also has a web browser plugin that you can highlight or annotate anything on the web and it'll shove it into your Readwise account as well. So it'll become part of that corpus of all the things that you've captured. And you can attach notes to that. You can uh, tag it, et cetera, et cetera. You can use tools like Raindrop, which I've talked about in the past, to to annotate the web, and it'll sync with that. Um, It syncs with Obsidian, which is a personal knowledge management tool that I use. So all the notes from a particular book can be in in one note, and then I can begin to, to copy and paste or create new notes based on those highlights. It's just a good way to leverage the investment that you've made, the time you spent in a book especially books that are are more academic in nature um, and have them all in one place. It is not free. Um, it is, let me pull up the site here. You had it open there, Sally, a while ago. Let me look at the pricing page. Um, it is it four, it started for free. <laughs> yeah, it does. $4.49 a month. So it's not inexpensive. And then for some advanced features, it's $7.99 a month. But they do have academic pricing, at least student pricing. And they, they kind of make it sound like, yes, we offer a 50% discount to students and other members of academia. I don't know if that includes teachers, but I sent out a note uh, to them to see what that all did include. So 50% off of that uh, would not be a bad deal at all for what you get. Uh, So $250 a month for Readwise Lite or four bucks basically a month for the full version, which 
does all the exporting and there's other kind of cool features in here as well. So I think uh, worth a look, especially if you are a digital reader, uh, which I'm always kind of have been since the Kindle was introduced, but now when I'm reading more and more books for, for different purposes, I find this to be super, super useful to, to leverage that. Um, so that's readwise.io. I'm smiling because longtime Wells Tech listeners will know that I've always been a fan of paper and you've always been a fan of digital. And my goodness, this gives me a good reason to reconsider that. I love the idea of pulling all those notes together. And I, I can comprehend in the moment and I hang a few tabs in my long-term memory, but um, pulling together my notes would be super valuable. Another place that I like to take notes, Martin, is in my Bible app. I just wondered mm -hmm. if it integrated at all with highlighting the Bible, like on Bible.com. I would think so. I have not tried that, but that would not be, uh, that would not be a bad thing to investigate to see if that could be a part of your um your approach. I'm going to try it real quick here. Uh, what's the I next segment? idea of tagging well, those. Yes. Why don't we move on to the next segment? And while you're talking, I am going to try that <laughs> and I'll get back I'm to you. community talk. news, community news and feedback. All right. Um, interesting. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show that it's easy to sign up in 30 seconds for all kinds of different fun online cloud-based things. And one that I signed up for some time ago is a site called groups.io. And I was reminded of this just recently when I got an email from a group called Wells Google Schools. Um, so I had to kind of dig into the long-term memory. I think you helped me a little with, bit with this, Martin, but uh, it used to be that Google had a social media platform called Google Plus. Anybody remember Google Plus? Mm -hmm. And I actually liked Google Plus. I was really sad when they shuttered that. But Thank one you. of the things that had been developed on Google Plus was this collection of people interested in other schools using the Google platform for their schools. This was long before COVID and this major shift. Um, but as people were beginning to use Google and Chromebooks and things like that, this was a great um, community where you could ask your questions and things. Uh, Google Plus was shuttered, like we said, and some of the leaders in that Wells Google Schools community on Google Plus, particularly I think Jason Schmidt, found this groups.io and kind of invited everyone to come join the group there of Wells Google Schools. And it lives on. There were just some recent uh, emails. One was about student emails and whitelisting. Um, having issues setting up email whitelist in the admin console. And they're asking specific questions about um, that. And I think somebody responded right away. And there was another one about Chromebook keys falling off and fixing, um, you know, kind of some of the hardware questions around Chromebooks and things. And so if you are a Wells Google School and you aren't part of Wells Google Schools at groups.io, this might be a good community to join and participate in the discussions, learn from the discussions that are happening out there. It is alive and well. There's been several different discussions throughout this year. So people People are still making use of this and a good um, kind of focus community on uh, schools using Google products. So we'll include a link. It's um, a private group, so you can't see the conversations or anything until you create an account and request to join. Um, but we'll have a link to Wells Google Schools in the Wells Tech show notes. Let me just plug those Wells Tech show notes real quick before I hand the mic back to Martin. Um, wellstech.wells.net is our website. There you're going to find all 691 episodes as soon as we get this one produced and typed up um, of Wells Tech. All that history, you can go back to episode what was it 243 and or 443 and listen to Gail back in May of 2016 when uh, she was last on the show and you can find all kinds of resources our history of all ministry resources picks of the week um, different books we've read 
different um, events we've hosted and things like that. It just goes on and on. Um, it's kind of amazing when you think about it, all the history that's happened since we began the podcast in 2008. Um, that's all looking backwards. We also like to look forward with you and we give you lots of ways to interact with us and tell us what you're doing in technology and ministry, including our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Um, we're over on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. You can uh, send us an email or send us a voice Email if you want, record it from your computer, and uh, we'll be happy to investigate further or ask the group or whatever it, it means if you have questions or things to share with the Wells Tech audience. So please make use of wellstech.wells.net. Excellent. Now it's your turn. <laughs> I did indeed uh, capture a quote from the Bible from Bible.com into Readwise. I could tag it. I could add my own notes. I could collect it in different collections. Super cool. Very nice. I like that. You you just upped the ante for me. That's pretty yep, cool. There you go. All right. I'll keep you posted. And if I hear back from Readwise on that discount for uh, for students and teachers. All right, Gail, thank you so much for dusting off your Wells Tech skill set and uh, and bringing your good your brand of goodness to to our show. Really appreciate you doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. And blessings on your continued work uh, in whatever capacity that is. It sounds like you've got a full plate yet uh, of, of teaching. So <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm you chose to, to celebrate retirement. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> but really appreciate that. And good to see you. Uh, next week, our next time on the show, I should say, uh, we are going to kind of continue with this uh, this planning theme. And I thought it'd be nice to talk about some planning tools, some digital planning and brainstorming tools. Uh, there's been kind of an advent of different whiteboarding tools and uh, tools that people use to collaborate online. And I thought it might be good to, to review some of those as some of our planning is done um, apart from each other. So what's out there and uh, how that might be useful for ministry. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.